And the title of this morning's message is Carriers of Hope. Matthew 2 and verse 2 says this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? See, people who didn't even know him were searching for him. Whether you realize it or not, people in this 20-mile radius are searching for him. They just don't know what they're searching for. And so as you becoming a carrier of hope, you give them the answer to what they're searching for. And I believe just like our Jeopardy series this year, you should live in such a fashion, live so much like the answer that people ask you questions. And so this morning, I pray that your Christmas season, you live in such a way that people ask questions for your life. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and all the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and you, O house of bread, in the land of Judah. And can I stop for just a moment? Sometime God begins to declare something about who you are before you see it manifest in your own personal life. See, he was declaring Bethlehem house of bread long before Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread. Can I get an amen? So just because you don't see the immediate fruit of your life of what God has declared over you, don't give up on the promises of God because what he has promised, he is faithful to fulfill. Amen? And so it says right here, it says, And you, O house of bread, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men, and secretly ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when, he, and when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. And so this morning as we jump into this series, who is Sam T. Sirk? And the questions that follow it are this. Are we celebrating who we do not know? And have we gotten Christmas completely backwards? I'm going to give you the answer at the very first message of the very first part of this series. Sam T. Sirk is simply this, Christmas spelled backwards. That's all it is. Sam T. Sirk is Christmas spelled backward with a couple breaks in between. And so when we ask the question, who is Sam T. Sirk? And the questions are this, are we celebrating who we do not know? And are we, are we, have we gotten Christmas backwards? I want you to begin to think about this in your life. Are you celebrating who you do not know or do you really know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Are you celebrating who you do not know? See, a lot of us, when I mentioned this last week, who is Sam T. Sirk, you're like, what in the world is he even talking about? <laughs> See, because a lot of us have gotten Christmas so backwards, the world doesn't even know what we're celebrating. I believe this year we as the Way Bible Church can truly influence a 20-mile radius by flipping Christmas around and getting Christmas in the right order, which starts with being a carrier of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, will we, then we will be celebrating who we know, for our hope is in Jesus Christ. I love that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? Come on. And then, have we gotten it backwards? When you begin to do family Christmas this year, and you've already started family Christmas, I'm telling you. You want to know why? Because your kids or your grandkids have already said, what are we getting for Christmas? You've already started it. Amen. How are you going to answer them? How are you going to show them that Christmas in the proper order is not about them, but it's about changing the life of somebody close to them? Right now, I want to introduce to you two amazing men of God. This is one of our elders, John Red. John, come on up here on the stage today. Yeah. Jeff T. Meyer, he's the pastor of our base groups. Pastor Jeff, come on up here. 
They're going to bring you the message this morning. They recently went on a mission trip to Guatemala with a group called Compassion International. And that's where I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you start up. And John, tell us all about how we can be carriers of hope this morning. Hey, church. How are y'all this morning? I, I got to tell you, I need your help. That last song wrecks me. So I'm going to start this thing out by letting you know that we're talking about Compassion International, but there is a compassion in our Lord that he has for you that he wants you to know it this morning. If you don't already know it, man, receive it, because that's what he wants. All right, here we go. Jeff and I had a great opportunity to go to Guatemala back, when was it, about the end of, of October this year. And, and we haven't come to talk to you guys about it yet, because we've got some exciting things about to happen. But these trips that we go on with Compassion International, they're for pastors and lay leaders and, and church members to go and see what Compassion International actually does. You know, you see the front end of it a lot with the kids that are get sponsored, but you may not really know what happens on the ground in the country, and that's what we got to go experience. Um, we waited till now to share this with you for a very special reason. Uh, December 1st to the 4th, the Compassion Experience actually comes to Sulphur Springs, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a, in a few minutes, but you'll get to see a little bit about what we got to see in Guatemala. For those of you that know a little bit about Compassion, you know about the Sponsored Child Program, right? You've heard about that. Um, with our sponsorship, Compassion actually is able to go in and work through a local church. They don't really have a place, Compassion doesn't, for people to go. They work through the local churches in order to do what they do. Um, and what they do is this. They bring kids from poverty to hope. Hear that again, and I'm going to say it a few more times. They bring kids from poverty to hope. That's good. And they do that by addressing the five most urgent needs in third world countries. They've researched it, and they understand how to do that. So your sponsorship for, for a child typically is from age 4 to 18. Y'all have probably seen that if you've sponsored a child. But what's really amazing is that compassion starts before that. They have people that are corporate sponsors that actually begin to sponsor kids in the womb. It's called the survival program. They start giving these, these pregnant moms nutritional information, nutritional help, medical help, so that the children are born healthy and thriving and the moms are healthy and, and thriving. It's an amazing program. And then once the kids sort of, we think, age out at age 18, Compassion can continue to support these kids as well. And they do that through the youth development program, which really is letting these kids go to higher education, could be college, helping them with that, or a trade school. So what they're really doing is bringing these kids from the womb all the way to adulthood, from a place of poverty with very little hope in a third world country to being successful, independent adults. Yeah. It's amazing. So when Jeff and I were there, we got to see all the facets of Compassion International, how the, the local country organization uh, of Compassion works. And, and what's really amazing is you guys will get to see that here from December 1st through 4th at First Baptist. It's called the Compassion Experience. And what it is, it's, a, it's an 18-wheeler. It's about a 2,000-square-foot display that opens up, and you get to walk through and experience what Jeff and I got to experience. It's a hands-on display, and it shows the life of a child moving from that of poverty to hope. 
And so if you want to go do that, you can register online or you can actually just show up for the Compassion Experience. Um, we've got a little video here, I think, to show you guys, right? Okay. At the end of the, before the video starts, at the end of the Compassion Experience, as you walk through, you're going to have the opportunity to sponsor a child. But be sure there's no hard sell. I guarantee you this, the experience will speak for itself. Okay, I can sit down now, right? <laughs> what did you see? You saw smiling faces. You saw life. You saw kids enjoying living. That's what compassion helps these children to do. You know, my experience was this. Jeff and I had a very similar experience, but, but what I discovered was I didn't have a clue what compassion did. I thought you sponsored a kid. They got some food, they got some education maybe, and, and that is all true, but it goes so much further than that. What my big discovery was is that when we sponsor a child, it affects an entire community. Right. And how that happens is this, is you go sponsor a child and their whole family is affected by it. And then there are people that are called tutors or teachers, they're volunteers that work with compassion through the local church. And because of what they get to do, they're affected and their families are affected. And that changes entire communities. Let me give you an example. Um, there's a little girl right, well there's daddy, that's Santos, and there's a little girl right there, Isabella. We got to go visit with them. And, and one of the amazing things that happens there is, is Isabella is a child in the program. She receives nutritional information, nutrition, food, education. She actually gets to go to the Project Church every day. And they sit in classrooms and they learn about health. 
education. They get tutoring. They do Bible studies. And so many of these kids maybe don't know Christ, but they come to know Christ and accept Christ in the compassion program. And that comes back and affects the families. And so what happens is the tutors that are in part of the program, they get education and training. And so they get to go and take that information back to their families. And there's this ripple effect across entire communities that changes the fabric of these, these villages. One of the really cool things was Santos shared with us is that he is so much at ease now because he doesn't have to worry about nutrition or even education for Isabella. It's taken a load off of his mind. And, and you know what he's doing? He's going to another town to learn how to be a volunteer ENT firefighter because he wants to give back to his village. And, and so this is coming full circle. And the funny thing is he's so excited about being a firefighter. Guess what? Isabella wants to be a firefighter now. I could go on and on about the ripple effects, how this has affected communities and, and all the people we talk to, that it's not just the child, but compassion literally changes the fabric of the communities. Hey, man, thank you, John. It was awesome to get to go with John. If y'all don't know John Red, you, uh, you're missing a blessing. It was such a great time to... Just the time we got to spend in the hotel room, and you know when you stay, spend the night with somebody for three nights in a row, you get to know somebody a little bit better than what you probably would, and, we'll, and what happens in Guatemala stays in Guatemala, so we'll, 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 we'll just leave it at that, but, um, but no, we had a great time, and John was a blessing. It was awesome to watch him be a blessing, not just to the people there, but also to the other pastors that went. You could just see him operating in their lives as well, so it was awesome to go with John. Before I get much further, I do want to say a special thank you to Carmen Krause. She's the one that um, did all our, our Christmas decorating this morning. Yeah. If you know our staff very well, you know that we're doing good just to get the tree standing up. After that, it's somebody else's deal. Um, but I uh, want to encourage you. And also want to say thank you this morning. Y'all may not know it, but this morning, right before church started, our projector had a bulb go. Just, but within a matter of just a, a few minutes, our guys had a new projector up and going and um, a new, new screen up there for us. So guys, in the booth, thank you. Um, Joey and Jason, thank you guys very much for all you do. Um, it's kind of hard to present a mission trip message with um, no pictures. And so they did a great job in getting us set up on that. And so I first going to go, I don't need, I don't need, well, yeah, I do need a screen. Never mind today. And so thank you guys so much for um, that. Uh, my, 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 I had, like John said, we had very similar experiences. I want, I, the part that stuck out to me, if, if y'all can get to that picture of that, the well there that was dug, there's a big hole in the ground. Um, we got up to the, the, sa the same church that was um, involved with Santos and, um, and Isabella's life. We... We, we got there, and when you walked up, they had everything decorated really nice and, and, and really really immaculate and pretty, and they had stuff on the ground for us. to. They just really, yeah, right there, they just really wanted to honor, honor and bless the people that were coming to see them because they did see us as carriers, as carriers of hope, like I was saying. But um, as you walked up, there's this makeshift chain-link fence kind of around this hole here. And what we found out was that um, they, needed, they needed water, so they were digging a well. Well, here in America, if we needed water from a well... We'd sit there until the truck got here, you know, to, to drill down and, and make us a well. And that's fine if we've got, if you've got the kind of resources. Well, that's not, that's not available to them in Guatemala. So what they did is they knew that 150 feet down, there was water. So they start hand digging a well. 150 feet down. Now, 
this, this, does go, this does go along with what I'm, what I'm saying because here's the thing. They had a promise. They had a guarantee that at a certain point they were going to hit water. So they started digging. They were going on, on a word. They were going on, an, on a knowledge that they had that if they kept digging, they would get some water. They would get to what they needed, what, the, what was promised. And so they didn't stop at 10 feet and say, you know what, this is just getting to be too much. They didn't stop at 20 feet, 30 feet, 100 feet. No, they, got, they, got there, they were at 150 feet when we got there. And they said, in order to have it to hold enough water, we've got to go deeper still. So they're, now they're at a place where they're not only having to, you see that pipe having to pump air down there so they can breathe down their hand digging this thing. And you can't really see it in the picture, but they've actually dug little handholds in the wall. So they, they, they climb down this well. Claustrophobic people are freaking out right now. So they, they climb down to the bottom of this hole. And, you know, the, there's not much bigger hole than this, this little tabletop right here. And so they're down there. I'm sure they're just kind of scooping up stuff and putting it in a bucket, and they haul the bucket out. And when they, when they were pulling water out, it took them literally, what, was it almost two or three minutes to get the, the bucket from the bottom to the top? But the thing about it was they didn't, they didn't sit there and just wait for somebody to come do something for them. They, they, had, they had hope, they had a promise, and they said, we're not going to stop digging until we get to what we need. And see, that can speak to a lot of us in our lives. When you have a hope for something, we have, when you have a, an expectancy of something, you're not going to stop until you get to the place to where you see the promise come to pass. And they had hit water, but they had to keep going because they wanted to have enough water. And so now they're not only having to, to put air down there, they're going to pull water out so they can dig deeper in this well. And so it, was, it's, it blessed me to see that, you know, here in America, when, some, when we get a challenge, sometimes we want to sit there and wait for somebody to come do something about it for us. And they said, oh, we've got to dig a well. Let's get going. Come on, man. Yep. Let's keep digging. I had this crazy thing when I tried one time. We had a, a broken pipe under us. I thought I'd tunnel in from the outside. Yeah, I got about waist deep in that thing. I'm, I'm done. Forget about it. About a year later, my wife filled the hole back in because I quit. But, um, <laughs> but so that, that, you know, there is some, that's, that's why it kind of spoke to me, I guess. But um, this morning, like our pastor, we're starting our Sam T. Search series. And if, if you start, if you want to spell Christmas the right way, you want to start from the back of this, of this title, the C in Christmas is for compassion. And not, and not just because we're talking about Compassion on National Day, but um, the Bible says in Mark 6, 34, that Jesus, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Now, if you're, if you're all from East Texas, and you all know what happens whenever, whenever animals aren't well taken care of. They began to get crazy. Well, Jesus saw these people like sheep without a shepherd. He saw they were, they were in need. They had, they had no guidance. They had no provision. They had, they had, they had no, no food. They weren't being taken care of. And they didn't have any, anybody to protect them. So he had compassion on them. And so what is compassion exactly? Well, I looked it up, I looked it up and it said, it's a movement down in the bowels. And I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't... Now, now if, if you've been on a mission trip, you know exactly what we're talking about. And then it says, it compels you to move. And I was like, you're exactly right. It compels you to move. And um, Colton and Trina understand what that's all about because we had a Thailand a little thing happen to us when we were staying with their place. But um, we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. Um, but yes, uh, something when you feel something down in your bowels, you do start to move because you want to make sure you're in a place of, of safety. Um, and when, whenever, whenever, whenever that movement takes place. But... But there, there's something to that. Whenever you move with compassion, there's a, there's a feeling deep down in the inside of you that moves you to do something, that moves you to, to, to make a decision to, to help somebody else. Whenever Jesus was moved with compassion, it wasn't that kind of movement. It was him saying, I feel for these people. I see that they're lost. I see that they need help, and I'm going to move so I, that I can, so I can make a difference in their life. 
The same thing happened in, um, in Luke chapter 15 when we talked about our, our pastor did a great job on the home series a, a year or so ago where we talked about the, the, the father, whenever he saw the son coming, it said he felt, he felt compassion and he ran to his son and he put the shoes and the, and the robe and the ring on him and he, and he restored him to his place because he felt compassion for him. There was something inside him that, that drew him to his son. There's something inside him that drew him to, to make a difference in that person's life. And so what is compassion exactly? And the, the best way I could see to define compassion is that someone with compassion it means you want, you want to carry hope to somebody. You want to, you want to restore hope in their life. You want to get them to a place where they understand there's a promise waiting for them. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, about hope this morning because we're, we should all be, if we, if we, you know, the Bible says, we'll, we'll hit this verse here at the end, that says, there's Christ in us is the hope of glory. So we are carriers of hope, whether, whether we understand or not. But there's something else. We, we talk a lot about faith. We talk about, a lot about hope. We talk a lot about love. And, and, the, and the Bible says, now these three, these three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So we, we've, got to, we've got to get to a place where we understand exactly what hope is. See, we, we especially in the non-national circles, love to preach about faith. Oh, just believe you can get a hold of it. Nothing wrong with it. We should. We need, we need to understand that, that, you know, by faith we can obtain everything that God's grace provided. That, that's very true. That's biblical. If, there, if there's something out there that you need in your life and the Bible says you can have it, lay hold of it. You know, believe, believe that God's promise is true and, and get a hold of that and, and see it come to pass in your life. And we love to talk about love, especially at Christmas time. Oh, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And, and we preach about love quite a bit. And we talk about, you know, when our, our, we do a great job here. Our pastor does a great job. You're not a project to be fixed. You're someone to be loved. And that's very true. That's very relevant. We need that. But not very often do we hear a message on hope. But there's a reason God listed alongside these other two. It's got, it's got to carry some weight. It's got, to have something, it's got to have something to it. So we've got to get to a place where we understand what hope really is. Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So now, it equates hope and expectation. Now see, a lot of times when we think of hope, we think of a wish or a desire or a want, and so I just hope someday I'll get it. And you're not really understanding what you're saying. Hope, if you, if you, look, it up, if you look it up in the Greek, it's nothing, it's nothing like compassion, trust me. Um, it's the word elpis, which translates as a joyful, confident expectation or to anticipate with pleasure. So when you're hoping for something, you have, a, you have a joy, you have a confident expectation on the inside of you that whatever you're hoping for, whatever, whatever you're believing for, that it's going to come to pass. That's why our hope should only be in Christ. Why? Because he'll never let you down. Right. He'll, he'll never forsake you. We've got, we've got to make sure that our hope and our expectation is in, noth in nothing but him. But in order to understand fully exactly what this hope is, we've got, we got to, we got to um, understand why it's, such a, what you, why it's such a big deal. And for, for instance, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and, and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, it didn't say a future and a faith. Come on. It didn't say a future and a love. It said a future and a hope. You know, God puts a lot of weight on this hope thing. And we need to do the same thing if he does. And so, so what's, the, what's, the big deal, what's the big deal about, about hope? Well, let's, let's, let's start. In, so to understand this, we've got to understand what faith is. If you listen with faith and love, we've got to understand what these three things are and how they all work together. So Hebrews 11, 1 in the Amplified Bible says, Now faith is the assurance or the title lead and confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. So hope is something, you have hope something that's divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends this fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. 
Now, I'm going to go over here real quick. And the best way I can do this is to give you an example. If you're in East Texas, you know what this is. This is an arrow. This arrow represents your faith. This arrow doesn't do a whole lot of good without something pushing it. If I want to get something with this arrow, I got, I got, I got two choices. I can do the right way, which is put in a bow, or I can hide behind a tree and hope I can sneak up on something and catch it. Now, if you know me, uh, I'm not in any kind of shape to sneak up on anything. I think I'm going to try it God's way. Now, faith works like this. Faith is, what, uh, faith is what I said. Faith is what obtains what grace has provided. So, if you're a hunter, this isn't just an arrow. This is a ten point, right? This is a buck. If you're, if you're a hunter, this might be, this might be a pig. This might, this might be whatever, an elk, whatever, whatever you're trying to hunt for. You don't just see the arrow. You see, you see what this arrow is going to take down for you. So, when you, with your faith... You're not, you're, not just, you're not just seeing, oh, this word faith. No, your, your, faith, your faith is looking for things that, that you need from the kingdom that you, need to, that you need to have in your life to take place to be who, God, who God's called you to be. The problem is, if we don't properly launch our faith, we're not going to see it obtain anything. I mean, I could take and try and do the whole dart thing with this, and I might stab my wife in the eye, and she would not be happy with me for that. So I'm not, I'm not going to try it, but... Faith is simply what you believe. It's what you understand and completely believe to be true, even though you can't see it. Right now, I can't see the deer, but if I take this little head off here and put the real one on, which I didn't let Derek do that because uh, I'd have gashed myself three times before this is over with, but, but you, you get this thing ready and you, and you use it properly, you're going to get, you're gonna get what, you, what you're seeking. Now, hope... Is a whole much cool, is a much cooler thing. I asked Derek to bring me his bow, and when I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I want to hold this bow or not. I'm thinking like this nice little D-shaped critter that, and I'm I'm, I'm left-handed, so it's gonna be weird for me to hold this thing. Yeah, there we go. Now, this makes this a whole lot more effective. This is your hope, unless you have something propelling. Your faith, unless you have something backing your faith, pushing your faith to a place to where it will obtain something, your faith is going to do you a whole lot of good. A lot of times, I mean, you, you, you can praise God for that, but um, there's more to come. Now, a, a, lot, a lot of times, a lot of times, we sit there and we'll tell somebody they got a faith issue when really they've got a hope issue. We'll sit, we'll sit there and we'll tell them, we'll say, you need to get to a place, you just need to believe hard. No, maybe they need some hope. Maybe they need to know and they need to understand that, that when they hope in Christ, they're not putting their hope in what they're trying to seek. They're putting their hope in the one who can help them get it. Yes. We've, got to, we've got to get to this place where we, we, um, people understand that there's, there's a hope in Christ, that there's a hope of glory, that we, can, that we can get a hold of those things that we need by faith to see God move in their life. Now, your hope can only be placed in one thing or one person, and that's Christ. You've got to... Oh, look at that. See, I was almost there. But... um. Here's the problem. A lot of times, where's my boy? Zach, come here real quick. Yeah, Zach. Yeah. A lot of times, this is Jesus, by the way. Um, <laughs> good looking guy. Um, a lot of times, we'll sit there and we'll hang our hope on anything but who we're supposed to hang it on. 
if, we, if, if you wanted to get a deer with this, you wouldn't go try and throw this on the deer. <laughs> That'd be a trick. No. But see, if, if, I, if I need healing, I don't put my, my hope in the healing. I put my hope in Jesus. And I let him tell me what to aim for to get my healing. Now, here's, now here's, here's, what happens, here's what happens a lot of times. We'll sit there, and our idea is, well, I was just told I've got some dreaded illness. I'm not going to name stuff because it weirds people out. Now, instead of us letting Jesus direct our hope, sometimes we go, I'm shooting for the sky. And I don't know how this works. Derek gave it to me. Um, <laughs> now, I'm shooting for the sky, and I'm going to give everything. You can hold it. Hold it up there. Put your finger there. There you go. I'm going to get everything, and I'm aiming for up here. I'm, I'm just aiming for the miracle cure. I'm aiming for, but, but sometimes, Jesus says, wait a minute. You never believed for a cold to get healed. Why don't you aim for the doctor? Come on. That's good. No. Thank good. you, brother. Yeah. No. Yeah. Here's, what, here's what we've got to... Here's what we got to understand. There's no shame in not seeing a miracle take place. What there is shame in is going on with a condition because you're, you're putting false hope in something that where it doesn't belong. What you've, what you've got to get to is where you understand, okay, eventually, if I keep trusting and I keep, I keep letting him direct my hope, eventually my hope's going to go and I'll be able to believe for greater things. The problem is a lot, of us, a lot of us get to the place where, well, the Bible says this, and we've never really worked, we've never really strengthened our faith, we never let our hope really get where we believe in the promises the proper way, and so we're aiming up here, and our hope's not strong enough to, not strong enough to pull the bow back, because like Derek said, um, it's a pretty strong bow. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to try and pull it, because um, I probably feel something pop right back here. And, uh, but the, the thing about it is we've got to get to a place where we, where we take Jesus where we're at and let him increase our hope. We get, as we learn to put our hope in him more, and more and more, then all of a sudden we'll be able to shoot for greater things. The problem is a lot, of us, a lot of us cripple our faith because we shoot for the sky without having our hope in the right place. If you hope in Christ, you can have faith for anything. The problem is we've got to get to, we've got to, get to the place to where this is hanging on Jesus himself. We sit there so many times and, I, and we're hoping in this, we're hoping in that, we're hoping that we get this for Christmas, we hope, we're, we're hoping that this thing on this past, we're hoping for this over here, we're hoping for that. And all the time Jesus says, just hope in me. Because when you hope in me, I'll give you the answer. I'll, I'll, I'll guide your faith. I'll, 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 I'll propel your faith to where you can get the answer you need. Sometimes God says, shoot for the squirrel, not the moose. But I promise if you can hit a squirrel, you can hit a moose. But how I many you know it takes a lot stronger faith or a lot stronger ammunition to take down a moose than it does a squirrel? We've got to, get to, we've got to remind ourselves that, you know what, if we're not at the place where we see the great things happen by our faith, guess what? Start, start directing your faith and doing what your faith can do, and your faith will get to a place where you can see God. And then you've got strong faith and strong hope. Why? Because it's guided and directed by the love of Jesus that, that you got set aside. And so Jesus, Jesus is love personified. Very simple. You know, God says, God, the Bible says God is love. Well, God is Jesus. So guess what? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all love. So when you put your, when you put your confidence, when you put your trust in the love of God, because it, full circle now, faith works by love. So faith that is propelled by your hope, that is operating all in love, will, will begin to see 
the, the great things of God take place in your life. So I'm put these back down because um, that's way more complicated than what I want to deal with right now. But I, I, want to begin, I want to begin to wind it down with this. I'm going to ask you a question. Who's, who's carrying your bow? Or is your, is your mama's faith carrying your bow? Or are you just believing what your, what your mama always believed? Are you just believing what your, what your family always believed? Is your, is your hope in what somebody else has believed? Is your hope in somebody else's revelation? Is your hope in, in, is your hope in a promise that you're seeing somebody else walk in? Or are you in that relationship with Christ? Are you in that relationship with his love to where you understand that my hope is built, like our, he kept stealing my stuff this morning, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I, I love where it goes, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I'm not going to believe anything else. Everything else may sound good, it may look good, but I'm on a holy trust in Jesus' name. Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We've got we've to we've put ourselves in a place where our hope solely hangs upon Jesus himself. If we, get, if we get to a place to where our eyes are fixed on, you know, Christmas is, is a great time of year to talk about this because we put, our, we put our hope in what's under the tree, not who is on the tree. We put our hope, we put our hope in what we're going to get, not how we can sit there and realize, look, I'm, I'm a carrier of hope. I've got this on the inside of me. We'll, we'll go to that scripture I talked about earlier. It says, Colossians 1.27, the last part says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, you can look at that two ways, and you should look at that two ways. One, there's hope in me for me. There's hope in me to get to a place that I can, I can receive those things that I need, that I can walk in victory in the kingdom, and I've got hope that my faith is going to begin to take down what it needs to take. It's going to begin to obtain what it needs to take. But at the same time, we're carriers of hope to those that, that need hope so badly. Sometimes you come to somebody and you say, look, let me help you restring your bow. The, the, the problem we get to sometimes is that we let people put their hope in us. You know, we love to help people as a church. We, we, love, to, we love to be benevolent and, and, and take care of people. The problem we've got to watch out for, though, is we don't want to make us their source. We don't, want to, we don't want them hoping in the church. We don't want them hoping in a person or a human or, 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 a, or a ministry. We want them hoping in Christ alone. Now, if what, we, if what we bless them with, what we take care of them with, directs them to Christ, then we've won. Win-win. They get help. They see the love of God. They're, they're looking at Him. But sometimes you get a situation where it happens over and over, and we understand we don't not want to help people. We've got to make sure that we're not, that we're not crippling their hope at the expense of helping them. Sometimes the best way you can help is by directing and not just handing out. And, that's, and that's, that was, that's one of the biggest advantages I saw when we were, when we were on, the, on, the, on the compassion trip. We, we saw them getting help, not handouts. We saw them getting some benefit. And I think one of the greatest advantages that, that we got to see was the sponsor very seldom meets, meets the child. Now they correspond and stuff like that. But the thing is, the, child, the child's faith stays in God because they're not leaning on a person that, 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 that's, that's in another country. There's a great benefit to that. In ministry, it's, it's very hard. You, you, we, we ought to always be conscious of the fact that people need to be directed towards God, not directed towards us and what we have to offer. We offer them Christ. We offer them hope. We, we help them. We give them guidance, but they, they can't be looking to us as their answer. I got, I got enough trouble carrying my own bow. I don't need to carry yours too. 
I mean, we've got, we've got, to, be in, we've got to be in that place. And so, who's carrying your bow? Are you trying to hang your bow on Pastor Joel? Ray, are you trying to hang your bow on Pastor Dan or Pastor Corey? No, your hope, your hope is in Christ alone. Don't hang on anybody else. I promise, we're all people, and eventually you're going to find out how people you are. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and we will let you down if you hang your hope on us. But I promise you this, he will never let you down. He's, he's, he's Christ. He, he will, if you hang your hope on him, if you let him guide your faith, if you let him direct you, he will, give you, he will bring you to a place where you see that stuff take place. Mitch, if y'all want to go ahead and come on up. I'm going I'm to close with this scripture. It's Ephesians 1.18. It says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What we've got to understand is, he himself is hope. Just like I said, love, love, he's love personified, he is hope personified. A lot of, a lot of times, when you, don't, when you can't see hope, when you don't, when you don't know where there's hope, you've got to realize hope is, hope is within you. And it always was. From the moment you were born again, there's hope on the inside of you. You are a carrier of hope. You are a carrier of the blessing and the goodness of God. You are a carrier. You have an expectancy that you walk around with, and your hope is so much more than someday you're going to be in heaven. We, 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 all, we all know that. That's, that's a guarantee. That's, that's almost beyond hope because he's promised that what we understand is there's so much hope that we get to walk in here. So much hope, so much blessing that we get to obtain here. The problem is our faith never gets pushed to where it's got to go because we, we, we fail to realize that, that there's a hope on the inside of us that wants to direct our faith. There's a hope on the inside of us that wants to propel, propel what we believe so we can receive it. But you, but you can't overlook the fact that you've got you've to have an expectancy. You've got to know what, what, you gotta know what your hope is in. You've got to know who, who's, 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 who's holding your bow. Because I promise you, if you let him aim your bow, it's not going to miss. If you, let, if you let him propel your faith, it's going to go where it's got to go. So this morning, if y'all would stand with me. I want to remind y'all of, of, of that well I was talking about at the beginning. Some of you are in a place to where you don't even, you don't even know where to start digging. Some of you are in a place to where you're, you've started digging, but you don't think you're ever going to get, ever gonna get to, to the water. And some of you have actually gotten there. Some of you have actually seen, seen your hope and your faith come, 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 come to life right before your very eyes. No matter where you're at, it's vitally important, vitally important in every stage that your hope stays in the hands of the one who can direct your faith. See, it's so easy once you've obtained a promise to start putting your hope in that promise once you've got it in your hands because you can see it. But see, that's not hope anymore. That's the promise you've obtained it. You don't got to hope for that. You've got it. So start hoping for something else. Some of us understand that when we get to, we got to get to the place to where we'll start seeing more hope take place in our own lives if we'll start dealing hope out to other people. Why can I hope for this? What, why, why, am I, why am I getting so weak? Why am I faith so weak? Well, use a little bit more. Get to a place to where you're seeing it being poured out to other people. 
Like I said, help somebody restring their bow. Help somebody pick that arrow up. Show them how to aim it. But always direct them back to Christ. If the ministers will come forward this morning, you can begin to pray. Or you can just come up here, whatever, if you're if you're ready. Um, I wanna I wanna encourage you guys in this. <clears throat> no matter where your hopes at today, He's waiting there to take your faith and launch into, launch into something amazing. He's waiting here to speak truth into your life. He's waiting here to show you just how good he really is. And so this morning, whatever, whatever, else, <clears throat> whatever else you've placed your hope in, maybe you placed it in a doctor. And maybe you're supposed to be with that doctor, but he's not your hope. Maybe you placed, maybe you placed your hope in a, in a, in a minister, or, a, or maybe you placed your hope in a, in a parent, or a, or, somebody that, or a mentor of some sort. They're great, and, I'm, I mean, God may have put them in your life, but as soon as you put them in the place of hope, and your hope hangs on them, you're doing yourself an injustice, and you're doing them an injustice. Because they were never meant to be hope. They were meant to help, you, they were meant to help strengthen your hope, help you, see, help you see the desired result. So this morning, if, if, you need, if you need hope, we love to deal out hope here. We love to make sure that you, that you know that you're loved and that you can put your trust in Christ and he will bring you to a place of, of, of great things in him. Or maybe you're saying, you know what, how, help me, I just need prayer. I need, to, I need to know how I can carry this hope that I've got. I need to know how to deal this hope out because I know, I know God's blessed me. I know God's put me in a place where I'm seeing things take place in my life. I need to know how to make sure this hope in me is reaching somebody else. If you want to be activated this morning, we'd love to pray for you. Say, hey, this morning, look, we, we just speak the blessing of God over you to go out and, and bring hope to those that need help, whether it be your family, whether it be, whether it be your friends, whether it be people that you go to school with. It doesn't matter. Carry that hope to them. Carry that carry the hope to the world that needs it so badly. But whatever it is, if you want, if you want, to, be, if you want to be born again this morning and experience hope for the very first time, man, come on, we'd love, we'd love to pray with you this morning and let you know what hope truly is. We, anybody up here would love to pray with you and let you, and let you receive Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The hope of glory can come and dwell on the inside of you and change you and help your faith become strong. But this morning, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to see you come forward and, be, and make, a step for, make a step for Christ. You can come pray on your own. You can pray well on us. But we want to see you move and be activated in the things of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you.